Alright, so it's 10 a.m. Sunday, November 1. First day of November. Uh, Got some pigeons. I'm out on this balcony. Got some pigeons. Oh, damn, this pigeon's laying an egg. Uh, Where I'm staying, there's these little pigeons hanging. They're sitting on an egg right now. I don't know if you can hear that. But, um, oh, the bell's going. The bell's tolling. But, uh, yeah, I think it's November 1. Someone was saying November 1 is All Saints Day. I don't even really know what that is, but, you know, um, I was just thinking, all the people, nah, nah, it's just, day after Halloween, um, yeah, this pod's with Ali Robottom, um, wrote the book Jello Girls, uh, that came out in 2018, um, yeah, I met Ali, uh, out at a thing, like most of the guests I seem to have. Um, before everything went down, um, her husband, John Lindsay, is also a writer who uh, I've, I'm acquainted with. Um, and, uh, yeah, I say it briefly on the pod, this came, the, app, the idea for an app came about when I was talking about when the Mag, uh, Maggie Nelson book, um, and I proposed to talk to John about it, he was like, no, you should talk to Allie about it, because, uh, Maggie Nelson was Allie's, uh, mentor back in the day. Anyway, she wrote this book, uh, Jello Girls. 2018, and it's a lot about, uh, I guess, I guess I also wanted to reach out and do the pod now, because I've been thinking a lot about, um, just that kind of look into a more closer investigation of kind of the genealogical questions of, like, how your parents came up, how your grandparents came up. I talked a little bit about McClanahan, I think, we were talking about how he was going in like that, and, um, this book is doing exactly that. She got the, she writing her mom's story and her grandma's story and her own story, a lot through looking at her mom's writing. But yeah, I don't know. No, it's gonna be a corny connection. But um, I think on Anwil, Anwil was saying the people that take care of you are kind of like angels or like saints. Nah, I don't know. It's all saints day, you know. Shouts out to people who take care of you, um, and. Uh, also, at the time like this, you know, it's a good reminder to try to take care of each other, I feel like, you know what I'm saying? Man, nah, but I'm glad she came down and sat down and, and uh, did this talk. I think we got into some good stuff. And, um, yeah, I hope, hope everyone enjoys and hope everyone's doing all right. Let's go. Hey. How's life out in LA? How are you doing? Good. It's a uh, it's quiet in a weird way. Like I'm sure you can relate. We don't really do much anymore. Is it all smoked out? Um, the air quality's bad. Yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing where like where we are, we don't really see it. We're in Silver Lake. Um, yeah. but then like all of a sudden we'll be like walking the dogs up a hill and like not breathing well, and it'll be like oh. Right, it's because like the world is burning around us. God damn, I know it's it's a crazy time to be podcasting and thinking only about books, or maybe maybe the perfect time to do that. I don't know. Uh, I think so. I mean, what else are you gonna do? And like, there there has to be space for thinking about things other than like the world ending. For sure, for sure. Um, so it's crazy. You guys, you and John, John's dropping stories today. You guys are like a like a power power writing couple right now putting out stories onto the internet i just reread all three of them john's most recent story and your two in succession and it's it's sick thanks um we work really hard like i would never say that we you know just sort of like poop them out we're like over here like really working hard so it's nice to see stuff go up you know as you know like yeah there's some short, there's some, there's some refined gems, those guys. Um, yeah, so we met at the thing in December, a thing in December. A uh, hundred million years ago. A lifetime ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
I'm reeling from the end of the book <laughs> that, I, that I, read, I, I read the second half of this week. Um, and also thinking about it in the context of um, some of the stuff you said and your more recent stories. Um, it's funny, some of the questions I had about how you feel about stuff now are like literally in the stories. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But it was sweet reading, even, even you know, knowing John and, and talking to him and, and reading the end of the book with the, with the wedding. And, but um, so first off, how you went about writing this. So you literally had a lot of um, journals and stuff from your mom that you were reading and rethink and, and reimagining stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean, it's interesting because like I started working on Jello Girls not knowing that my mom was going to die and that would be the end of the book. Um, so I started working on it like a couple years before I finished it. And I had like for people who don't know, this is in the book, but like she spent a lot of my life working on her memoir. Yeah. So I still have them. I had at the time these like just binders of different attempts that she made to approach the story. So like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, at the time when I started working on it, I was just sort of going through sort of the timeline of her work and writing it from my own perspective and my own voice. And some of that remained in Jello Girls eventually, but then like obviously life took over and her health started going downhill. So I just started sort of writing that as it happened. And it was, I was writing the end of that book, like sitting with her, like as she was dying, um, which I haven't written about yet, but maybe I should. It was bizarre. It, when you're taking the notes, you're taking the notes in the room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's been an interesting process with that book because I think because of the um, enmeshment, both like of her and I as people, but also like her work and my work, Jello Girls in my mind is sort of like, her book and a lot of time like you feel like a letter you know or, or a, like a dedication to somebody yeah completely it's like I I felt like especially after she died it really lit a fire under my butt and I was like this book is getting out like I'm gonna publish it whereas before I was kind of like this is my PhD dissertation and like maybe a small press will want it someday like after she died, I was like, no, I need to get this out. Um, and I feel very lucky that that happened. And also now as I'm like trying to move forward with my career, I have this sort of almost like competition with that book. Like, I'm just like, oh, Jello girls, like, well, whatever, <laughs> that's Mary's book. Like now it's time for me to write what I want to write. So it's interesting. Up yourself. I'm sorry? You're trying to one up yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thrill. Wow, that's wild. So that was literally happening while you were writing it. So that was like 2016 or something like that around that time? 2015. 2015. Yeah, I finished it and it sold, I think it sold in January 2016. Yeah, it did. Like right when Trump was getting sworn in. So that'd be 17. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, 17. 17. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wild. Okay. That's that's, and then it came out like when in, in 2018? July 2018. Word. Um, so when you're saying you were initially writing your, your um, were you writing from your, uh, no, third, all third person of your, like when you were first interpreting your mom's stuff, it was third person. But you said in my voice, what do you mean by that? Well, actually at the time it was way more, how do I say this? Cause like, the book is funny that way. It's like, technically it's written in the first person because I established myself as the narrator at the beginning. But once I start telling her story, there's really very little incursion of the sort of narrative I. Um, right. 
at the time though, when I started writing it, it was much more like dreamy. Like I was very influenced by like Lydia Yukovich's Chronology of Water or like um, Kelly Groom's memoir, something like that. That's like a lot more sort of slippery and it moves in and out in sort of this dreamy state. Um, so there was a lot more I in that version, which I then ended up taking out and sort of rearranging for like the marketplace basically. But the third person, Mary, like, I, you know, once you start doing scenes, is that kind of you, maybe this is breaking the third wall or fourth wall, or is that like, that's how I, cause that's how I read, um, yeah, the whole idea was, uh, or the whole, the whole notion of doing a pod started when I, I, I posted a picture of that book, Jane, and I probably messed oh, yeah. this on Instagram. And John was like, that book is fire, like uh, Jane by Maggie Nelson, you know, like I just finished the, the red parts, the second one, I think that's what it's called. Uh, yeah. And I was like, dude, let's fucking pod about it. He's like, no, you gotta talk to Allie about that. <laughs> um, so then, but when I was reading that book, she had, so in that book, her, um, for people who haven't read it, um, Maggie Nelson's uh, aunt was murdered at, at 20, I think, at college. Yeah. And then she's taking her journals and splicing them in with her own story. But somehow I felt like what she was taking was like the elements that applied to her. Like, for example, like in this book, um, like when she pulls up to the hospital and she meets a friend and they go into the city and in mm -hmm. your book, that felt like it had to be investigating like something about a friendship with, or I don't know, was that like your experience or, or was it, am I just reading too into it? I, I tend to assume that everything's about the, the author, but that might have something to do with my own. My author. Um, it's a hard, actually, it's like kind of a hard question for me to answer with sure. my work, like uh, at least about that stuff um, because I, like I obviously like was drawing from existent material however like I also was writing the book in many ways as if it were a novel uh, like so to write my mother's character especially when she was dead I couldn't really ask her what it was like um so I was just imagining a lot of the time and same with my grandmother like I was just like how would I feel? You know, like I had the source material, I have letters in which she expresses like sort of how she feels, but it, it's not as extensive as I would have liked. So I just went there. It could have been that the seed was planted because with, with the grandma's um, uh, cousin, John, mm -hmm. I was like, no, nah, that wouldn't make, I don't know. I just thought about John and then I, Anyway, there was just some name. There was some name crossover that planted some interesting seeds in my head. Oh yeah, maybe I should have changed that. Um, you mean like the two Johns? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's less relevant. That's interesting. That almost makes it more like fiction than I don't know. I feel like I'm always writing directly, but then thinking about it, I gotta turn this off. This is gonna be really annoying. Um, Sorry. You might also, like, listeners, be able to hear my dog snoring in the background. Can you hear that, Sean? I don't know. I don't know. This is this is the podcast with literally the worst sound quality of all time, though. That's kind of... Uh, what the hell, dude? All right. Um, but um, word. Yeah, no, it was really interesting. I feel like I've been thinking a lot about, like, genealogy stuff. This is crazy. I need to, I need to, I need to turn this. Can you hear that? Mm -hmm. You can hear that. All right. How do I turn this off? Um, but, um, I've been thinking a lot about genealogy stuff and like looking at family stuff and like both of my sisters seem to be like looking back into like, uh, grand maternal trauma and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but it feels like the ethic of the story was a lot about like speaking and being able to articulate yourself as like the way into a type of selfhood. Sure. Um, yeah. And do you feel like, how do you feel now about, I'm sorry if this is like formal, like interview question. No, no, no. How do you feel now about the book coming out 
at the book being out and having kind of seen that all the way through? Um, uh, that's a great question. I feel, um, I don't think it hasn't like resolved anything really. Like, you know, the book ends on this sort of like hopeful, almost like triumphant note. <laughs> yeah. Um, about myself and like motherhood and how I would like imagine sort of carrying on as a woman in a world without my mom in it. Um, I mean, I was 29 when she died, which felt at once like <clears throat> lucky that she had lived as long as she had, but also like shit, like I just got married. Like, how do I do this? I need someone to, to tell me. Um, so I guess like it hasn't really resolved any of those big questions. I'm still like living it. Um, I think, you know, I already said that thing about like feeling a little competitive with it. And like, I think also like, this is sort of like a more straightforward answer about like marketplace stuff, but it, I felt really, um, I don't know, just kind of like confused about where I fit as a writer. I think like that book, I didn't really think about um, publishing in a big way, like with a big press before it suddenly became a, an option. So I didn't have like a strategy for marketing the book and like positioning myself as like a serious writer. And I think like and this could be like entirely in my head, but one of the struggles that I've had with it has been just sort of like the marketing positioned me more as like Jello Air tells all when like the reality is like, um, I mean, technically, yes, I am a Jello Air, but I'm not like the singular Jello Air, like yeah. spilling these like tabloid secrets. Um, and uh, so that's been kind of interesting, like to navigate. I'm yeah. not sure if I'm answering your original question. Oh, you totally are. Do you feel like that was something you were part of the conversation of, or do you feel like that was sort of what a different element, a different aspect of the the um, publishing process kind of was more thought framed it as, or? Um, I. I don't think that I was, and this is sort of funny because like in many ways, Jello Girls is a book about like women's voices and advocating and yeah. um, the importance of uh, testimony and like acknowledging patriarchy and whatnot. But like it's was and remains hard for me to um, say what I think I need to say. And that was definitely true in like the production process of Jello Girls. And if I could go back, I would probably advocate for how the book was marketed and like take a, take a firmer hand in that. Um, and I hope I have the opportunity to do that again with like a future work, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said in the Hobart piece, you said something about the ease with which um, you, you, you were able to betray the feminist ideals you're supposed to uphold. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know I'm saying that. I don't <laughs> it seems relevant, but I'm not trying to say anything. I don't know. No, I mean, I think I mean, one thing also about that book and just about, and this feels really like true to my life in general, is that like I, I wrote that book in an academic setting. I was in a PhD program. For sure. And I think like feminism, uh, I've like grown a lot in my understanding of what it means for me practically like taking the theory out of the classroom and practicing it in my real life is a very different thing than than just sort of talking about it so um yeah i mean that's the struggle and that's like that's kind of the interesting part to me is like well how do you live how do you live the theory like how do you feel right the theory there was one interesting part when in the book when well first of all i want to say about before I get to that, I want to say about the whole Jello Air element of it, um, 
I thought, I mean, I feel like I always get excited by stuff that feels like it's really generous in what it's sharing and like what it's divulged. I don't know. It's not just divulge everything and it's automatically good, but I do feel like there was a lot of just how clearly you went in about all that stuff felt like pretty, I don't know, not a lot of people talk about stuff like that. You know what I mean? In terms of like going back. So I thought that was pretty sick, like pretty like generous to write in that way. Thanks. But, um, I, yeah. I think like um, I noticed that I feel best about my work when I'm, I mean, this is sounds like really cliche, but when I'm talking about stuff that like makes me uncomfortable about myself or that I don't necessarily want to share, but I also do because I'm like kind of an exhibitionist. So I like, I'm probably a lot of writers are, but like, I'm yeah. always kind of like towing that line of like what, what I do and don't want to divulge about myself and where it's good to hold back and where it's good to, to put it on the page. For sure. I mean, yeah, I think that a lot of my, mo like my ability to get past certain, I mean, I, I don't know, stuff with like stri striving for health and okayness and um, I don't know, getting past self-destructive behaviors and stuff like that. Like I, I relate to that kind of stuff. And I, I do think like one really um, uh, neutralizing factor is like when something happens or you're in a position where it's like survival decides whether you're gonna do it or not, <laughs> you know? That's yeah. like a really helpful thing. And that happens in a moment. I think when her, uh, your mom first starts getting sick, you talk about that a little bit where it wasn't really a choice, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. she, um, this is funny because I like, when I had a doctor's appointment the other day, just like a routine thing. And, and I feel like I always end up telling this story, but she like saved her life, her own life, like advocating for herself. And, um, you know, people would, I, I think that like a lot of the time, like it's a matter of, persistence like this pertains obviously to like health but also like writing like to say the thing that it is that's like really gnawing at you like there's like right. there's something wrong with me I need to tell you what it is right 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 yeah no I, I just think yeah I just think when that's anyway it was making me it was making me think about other circumstances that people are we're all just born in different circumstances you know what I mean and like how it yeah I don't know but um but about the whole application of certain ideas, like there was an interesting part where um, uh, with your mom, with your uh, your mom in the book, it's weird. I usually say the character, but I guess you're explicitly nonfiction, so I can say. Yeah, well, you say, yeah totally. Yeah, it's yeah. nonfiction. Yeah, um, um, and uh, it's when you're talking about the one, you know, a lot of the psychosomatic stuff I really liked um, because that's that's really real, and um, about. The one, the one, um, the one uh, illness or the one condition that's uh, like MPI, I think. Um, where, oh yeah, psychogenic illness, yeah. yeah where you feel, uh, you kind of feel too much for everybody. Like, and then, and then your mom's like, oh, that's like a, um, that's like a female condition because they feel too much, you know, and that, and then, you know, and then you're kind of like, well, that's essentializing, you know, and, um, and, uh, and then that was just an inter like, interesting, I mean, a lot of this stuff, I think I got into this a little bit with like, when I was talking to Pop, uh, Miranda Popke about her book, where at a certain point, like nature, if you're dealing with the issue, like nature nurture discussions, aren't that fruitful, you know what I mean? If there's just like a problem, but, I just, I don't know, that made me, like, I guess I've been feeling a thing where, like, would that be bad necessarily to have the faculty to be able to see a lot of different things at once and feel a lot of different things at once? Like, I feel like that's seen as a bad thing. I, I sometimes think that's a pause. Like, if I see someone who writes from a lot of different perspectives, if I just look at my writing, like, my ability to write from other perspectives is so limited. And I don't know, I think I think there was an intro to this one uh, Toni Morrison book, A Song of Solomon. And that one, she's writing about her dad. And she's like, 
I want, since it's about my dad, I want to be this in a masculine mode, which is linear and myopic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I want, and like, and I always, I always think about that, but like, I was always like, why is that bad to be able to empathize better and see other perspectives better? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. I mean, it's, <clears throat> I would not be a writer if that's not like, that wasn't like my MO in life. Like, I, but also like, at the same time, like, I don't think that like all like masculine forms are linear and myopic either, but like at the end, like, I mean, we could go back and forth talking about like narrative theory and like Sisu and like feminine equature or whatever. But like, I, I think that like, linearity and like a certain kind of focus has been really privileged over time and like maybe that's like more masculine or maybe it's not but like it is interesting to consider other ways of being and then other ways of like art making for sure i'm out of that being um but i get like it's like i want to see it all like i want to see the myopic linear and I want to read that and then I also want to read this like other completely sprawling empathic um like shifting formally shifting narrative and I, I want everything in between and yeah. that to me is like what's interesting is space for all of it for sure no I want to challenge myself to not I don't know I think like some of the early things I, I wrote or it's like that, I wasn't thinking about it in that way, just trying to challenge myself. But when I look at it, I'm like, this is so, this is just moving through the world, like in my own thing. And that's like my default mode, I feel like a little bit. I don't know, I might be getting a little too, and I'm not saying, I think it's good to try to challenge yourself to do different things, you know what I mean? I mean, me too. And I think like, I think that's really just sort of a natural part of growing growing up as a writer, because like, I feel like the stuff that I was writing really early on was extremely like experimental for lack of a better word. And I was very like, this is it. This is the only way that I'm ever gonna write. Like this is, um, this is like a feminist form. This is, I have like all this political um, investment in this. And now I'm like, I, I'm writing like a very sort of uh, like formally conventional novel and like Jello Girls is actually really formally conventional as well and I had to surrender a lot of that like uh like dreaminess that I had originally conceived of for Jello Girls in order to actually say everything that I wanted to say so I ended up going from this like very feminist form that I felt was very performative of the subject matter of the book to this way more like masculine linear form in order to say all of the stuff that I wanted to say. Okay, interesting. <laughs> oh, um, that's made me think of a lot of stuff before. Sometimes when I listen back on these, I'm too caffeinated and someone will start saying something and I'll, I won't ask a good follow-up question and it'll make me mad. But um, you were saying, and you might, whatever, you might not want to answer this, but you said earlier, you said some of your ideas about, since since even writing the book about what, like theory versus life have changed since you wrote the book. What, what, in what ways, if you, or? Yeah, um, well, I mean, the Hogarth piece you were talking about. Um, I love that piece, by the a way. Lot. Oh, thanks. Um, and like for listeners, that piece is about, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but it's about getting Botox um, and about like whether or not, like the sort of like guilt that I, felt initially when I decided to get Botox because I had just finished a PhD and I had these like frown lines. Um, This all sounds so like superficial, but to me, this is like, this is what I'm interested in is like making something radical out of the superficial because I think a lot of people feel this way, but like, I was so hung up on like the political implications of getting Botox at the time. And I hear this from a lot of women, like even like publishing that piece, I got so many DMs um, from people being like, I'm afraid to get Botox, I really want it, am I a bad person? And it's like, 
no, you're not bad. No, you're not betraying feminism unless like, I, I like, I don't know. It, it's just like, to me, when you take theory out of the classroom and start to actually have to live, like uh, at least in, for me, like we're all just trying to live in this system and like, you're not going to, you might feel more pain trying to live outside the system than like making choices for yourself day by day in a way that feels right to you. Maybe that's like the radical act. I didn't say that as clearly as I wanted to. I think so. And I think also articulate, like, that's why I like, that's why I like that idea of like, um, I almost think all writing is trying to be able to speak yourself and your changing self in a way that allows you to let go of something, you know what I mean? And allows other, invites other people to be able to speak, like selfhood being tied to like speaking. Cause then it's also like, if you're doing something that you want to do and you can't, like that's probably why a lot of people responded to you. Cause it was kind of radical to write that. And then yeah. it gives permission for people to articulate what, you know what I mean? Like, that's, I don't know, it's not clear cut what constitutes like speaking what yourself at a given time is. I totally agree. And I like, this, I mean, this is a little abstract, but like what you just said, I feel like that is how I think of what I do. Like, I don't really like, yes, I think of myself as a writer and what I do is writing, but like more than that, if I wasn't writing, I would still be doing something that was like trying to get at what you just said. Right. That That could be how you interact with someone, how you communicate with your friend or your family or or, or a partner or something like that. For sure. Um, Because, and and it goes deeper too, because I mean, all that psychosomatic stuff comes from holding stuff in I feel like you know <laughs> when yeah. your body starts tweaking out doing weird stuff there's probably something that you can't really I mean I don't know that's personal experience you can't really like look at you know I think that's really true I mean I think that like um it's not like I think that like everybody needs to go to like talk therapy right now and like confess all their sins but I do think that like there is a certain like radical power of being able to articulate those like hidden places inside or at least like poking at it from different perspectives yeah or just one singular myopic perspective (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) no um that's real that's real um and then so what you're writing yeah I don't want to I always harass people about what they're writing about but then sometimes that can be bad uh juju for the writing but you're 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 going in I mean you talk about it a little bit in that piece you're going in on something related to all that and yeah it's related to Duras too yeah I feel like everything I do is um related to Dura but like I um <laughs> whatever um I'm writing a novel I It like it is a it's honestly it's drawn a lot from um being young and a girl and um I spent a lot of time in my late teens and early early twenties um like being like a New York City club kid and like going to like the most douchiest clubs and like hooking up with promoters and stuff like that and thinking that they're thinking that um, I could sort of play a game that leveraged my like objectification and that I could self objectify and um, get power from that. And I, I don't think that I, I don't think that that's not a possibility, but it's, the novel is very concerned with whether or not it's a possibility and whether or not it's a possibility for the narrator. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a real last question. Yeah. I don't have an answer (laughs) and I don't ever, you know, 
expect to answer it really but well, yeah I, I think the longer you don't answer the the or the the better the novel will be um, hopefully yeah that's what that's that's sick that's um what's so i told you uh in email i read i recently read that early dura uh, oh yeah i haven't read that yet oh but you said ravished in the first it says ravished uh, in the first line of the lover right or did i get that wrong she said no that's the lover yeah beautiful and i like you how you look now ravished yeah and the book i read is called the ravishing of lowell stein so mm -hmm. she's interested in that book is crazy it's a great, so that, <laughs> it's a great word yeah I, I i uh i read that pretty quickly it it's like there's affairs going on it was pretty it was pretty like modernist experimental there was a lot of stuff like she's having an affair affair with the woman oh with a man who's her friend is also having an affair with, but then whenever he hooks up with her, her friend, she's like in the field outside, like watching them. But there's a lot of gay stuff going on. So my whole interpretation was like, by becoming this weird, like almost like Beckett, like, see, like seeing, I, I don't know if Beckett's right, what's a seeing eye? Just like reduced to a gaze. Yeah. Um, and it was like weird, cause she'd just be in the field, like moving rocks around. That reminded me of Beckett. Maybe she, yeah, anyway, but she was like reclaiming the gays or something. That's how I, I, I was honestly a little, I, I, I was, I didn't, I couldn't come up with a clear take on it, but what's the lover? What's the lover? What's the lover like? The lover is, um, it is widely believed to be like auto-fictional. It's, right. um, it's written in fragments and it concerns the speakers, um, childhood relationship with an older man um, without sort of reducing it to like, I was a victim and he was a perpetrator. Um, I mean, I, I assume that the book could be read as like highly problematic sure. today. Um, that would be one reading of it. I don't, it's hard for me to sort of get outside of what it's meant to me like all the way along in my writing life to to pass any judgment like that on it but yeah. um i think that it you know that relationship was really formative for her future work um and her worldview the relationship she had she had with that man your dog's yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just came in and like yawned and sort of came in there just for her just standing there <laughs> Um, so, okay, so you read that early on and you just, that's one of the books you reread a lot. Yeah, I, um, I started taking writing classes like late in college. Um, I wasn't like there, you know, thinking like, I'm going to be a writer. I just was good at it and, um, realized like very late in the, the four years of college that like oh I could take a writing class and like that's something that I could potentially do and that book was recommended to me by one of my teachers there um Carol Zoreff I don't know what she's up to now she's around um and she also introduced me to like Carol Meso and um women writers Sisu I think probably like who were working outside of that sort of myopic linear form that was extremely privileged at um, NYU when I was taking writing classes there. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty radical. And I've, the lover in particular, but Carol Meso to a lesser extent have really like stuck with me. So this was an example of a book that was outside of that mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a more, I don't know. It's a weird binary we're setting up, but I, I think I know. I know, I know. I, I don't agree with it. Um, <laughs> like, you know, for our purposes, like I'm sure listeners can sort of like get why we're doing it. But I, like, yes, The Lover is like way more fragmented and it slip, moves in and out of time periods and um, it's all around more dreamy. It shifts perspectives from first person to third person at times, that sort of thing. Yeah, I gotta hit that. Um, You'll read it in a day, it's super fast. Oh, word, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and then, um, so are you writing like that way? Like you like in fragments kind of, or? 
No, I, I, um, I did for a long time. I, I wrote like that um, in my undergrad and then I went to CalArts for an MFA and I was still writing like that. And at the time I was writing a lot about um, my mom being sick uh, and I was writing it in sort of like a fragmented, I was very influenced by Sarah Mangusta when I was at CalArts, um, particularly the two kinds of decay, um, her memoir about um, an illness. And I ended up, <laughs> I think this is like very typical for me, but I wrote for my CalArts thesis, like an 80 page book, I guess, but then ended up cutting it down to like a very short essay yeah. um, that's in fragments. But like after I moved on to a PhD, it sort of became apparent to me that the fragment form, like, obviously it's very useful and works best, I think for me when it's like performative of uh, the content. Right. So like, um, but for Jello Girls, I had so much that I wanted to say and I didn't think that like a frag, like the fragment form was really gonna sustain over that page length. And I feel the same way for what I'm working with now. Word. Yeah, I love all the, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, it, it was interesting, all the different, the arc of the Jell-O um, uh, places in the culture. It made me think of, um, there's this band, you know the, do you know the rapper uh, Lil B, Lil B the Bass God? Have you heard of this guy? No, I don't think He's like, he's almost, he's like a cultural legend now because he just, um, this is not a good story. He, <laughs> he's, he, he's like, he, he's like, he's like a cultural figure because he he's crazy on Twitter and stuff, but he anyway he he used to be in this old band that I listened to in high school called The Pack, and they have a song called Jello, and I just looked it up to make sure, and they had like the Jello logo as the art on YouTube, but um, I think anyway, <laughs> but no all the all the all the past stuff, um, yeah I don't know all the um, yeah you were saying the roots of hysteria is a wandering womb. <laughs> that's a wild that's wild right there when how it's tied to witchery um yeah yeah i mean there's a reason like the procedure to take a womb out is called a hysterectomy oh wow um, you know like i i always always so fascinated with the sort of historical underpinnings to um stuff that I feel like is still like readily available for a lot of people today like I even writing Jello Girls I was thinking about this yesterday for some reason but like the well nobody's gonna listen to this like th that is in that program but like the um nonfiction faculty when I was at Houston were all men I didn't work with a single woman um when I was working on this book and like <laughs> there were a lot of like there was like a lot of feedback that was like very defensive about what I was working on and I was like oh wow like what am I doing wrong and now like the other day I was thinking about it like wow that's crazy that I thought I was doing something wrong which goes to say like a lot of the stuff that I was writing about as like rooted so far in the past is still playing out today it's just so much subtler for sure yeah, I'm not gonna lie. A couple times, um, I was reading a part of it aloud to to the lady the other uh, the other day, and um, it was saying like all the things. Uh, I don't know why I shouldn't be saying. Nah, it was saying all the things that um, like her ma, her brother, or her uncle, or dad would say to her, like, like you just need to do a thing. Like I don't know. I feel. <laughs> Like that's what I say to her. That's what I say. To, I, I was like, damn, that's a direct shot at me. That's what I, no, you just need to do a project or something. Get manic and caffeinate and do it. But busy hands, idle minds, like get to work. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess that's, sorry. The light. I mean, there's truth to that. There's truth to that for yeah. sure. Like, well, and I think like, yeah, it, like I, that stuff, I think like my husband, John and I like, 
to, uh, this plays out in a lot of relationships. It's like of any gender, it's like one person might be like, you know, just like get active. And the other person's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not always like about the patriarchy, but like. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I was trying to say earlier, where I think like, I don't know, like for me coming up, like, I feel like I had a kind of like righteousness about, I don't know, movie, like whatever, my parental situation or financial situation coming up and stuff. But it's like, I don't know. It's just every, every circumstance comes with different stuff, you know? And it's like hard to, to see that. And it's good to try to empathize with that because you know, if I have no choices to for everything I do, there's something about that. Or not no choices, but just like that survival uh, muscle is like necessary for everything. Like different things come up. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Is that making any sense? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it's like, I think I might be totally like taking this in a different direction, but like, and I don't read like Amazon or Goodreads reviews for Jello Girls. Um, I like block those sites real fast when I publish the book. But I think like there's a lot of stuff on there about like how um, I or like my mother's character are like whining because of like the privilege that the book readily like speaks to. Um, and that is completely true like there was like so much like privilege um and also like because two things can be true at once there was pain and like that doesn't um just because they're privileged there was privilege there doesn't mean that it negates the pain doesn't mean the pain shouldn't be shared or like investigated um yeah uh, yeah and i think that's that's what i was saying i think there was a courage to just rip it as unabashedly and clearly as you did about all that all those circumstances you know what I mean that's super rare I think in the literary world too I mean like just sort of like on the business side of things like it at least on social media and I'm not on Twitter very often but it seems like it can oftentimes sort of boil down to this like strange thing where it's like if you have or have had privilege in any which way in the past like you don't get to talk anymore yeah. and that to me is just uh bizarre it's just bizarre um I I don't see how like any of this is going to get addressed or or investigated or grown from if there's not for sure a dialogue about it for sure yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I'll go out, I'll cancel me, that's fine. No, no, um, no, that's real. I mean, it's a wild time. There's a lot of things that we've been thinking. I don't know, it's almost like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how much I'm trying to go and say. Well, I don't know. I think thing, I think the the a lot of things pivot when the circumstances become um, more dire. And I think we're kind of culturally in a little bit of a dire circumstance. So Absolutely. Um, a lot of things are just like, and that's what I'm saying. It's like the, it's like the gift and the curse of like the survival mechanism kicking in where, um, um, but um, God damn it, I was gonna say something. Yeah, you were saying you were ripping it about, um, fuck. Um, no, that's real. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. So how do you how 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 are you like you talk a lot about you know weird psychosomatic stuff popping up and just kind of like um, and I also liked how you tied at one point the impulse to speak like we were saying earlier to articulate yourself to being embodied. Um, <laughs> I came in later, you know what I mean? Um, because it does help your body if you're able to articulate yourself. We're talking about psychosomatic stuff, but yeah. in terms of that stuff you talk about and dealing with that kind of um, you know weird uh, panic attacks or weird. I don't know too personal um, physical stuff like how how you feel like you've been um, able to manage that and since you know is is that yeah I mean I think that um, I mean I certainly I think that like being able to articulate what's going on and and like being given the opportunity to do so just back to the like privilege and who gets to to speak thing like I, I 
I mean, especially now, I think it's, um, I mean, it's imperative that the most like historically oppressed and traumatized people are listened to and given an opportunity to speak. Um, I guess like for me, I think like, uh, like it's helps. And I have this sort of like bent now towards um, almost like speaking <laughs> like nonstop, like confessionally, at least like within my close relationships, because I feel like it's this sort of like talisman. Like if I just like talk about everything that's going on with me manically and compulsively, then like I will ward off um, self-destruction or um, depression or anxiety or like whatever it is that I'm trying to keep at bay and that doesn't always work like a lot of the time for me now it's um being able to be okay with the fact that like there that I like there are times where I'm depressed and there's times that, that I'm anxious and they'll pass and like I can survive it that's yeah that's the big um lesson I guess of the past couple of years for sure damn that's real yeah um yeah i mean i think i think this book is has relevance to i mean maybe it's even just covid stuff people thinking about their older generations of people you know what i mean mm -hmm. um i know yeah it seems both of my sisters are engaged in like a deep quest of going back um but i also liked how at the end it was very much about like uh I don't know, like caring about caring for your mother and like, like not sort of dissecting it where you were seeing like causes of things done to you, but more like accepting stuff about. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of interesting because I think like, I mean, it's always interesting. <laughs> It must always be interesting when you make a family member into a character. Um, I think like, I mean, I don't know if this is exactly what you were pointing toward, but like one thing that's been interesting for me is like as time passes between um, like a life of mine with her in it and a life without it, her, um, it's, it's sometimes a challenge to remember that she was like a real person and not the character because like a lot of people really loved her as a character and she was that, but also she was like a lot of other things too. Cause like anybody would be. Um, so it's, it's an interesting toggle between sort of like the heroine of the book who was also who's based on my mother and then like the actual person who had like a lot of problems and um, gifts, you know? Yeah. yeah. Does that make you apprehensive to write about stuff when you go in about writing about events or people? Uh, I'm not like, I actually like, um, I wrote another nonfiction book as I was like, as Jello Girls was in production and like, in that year after publication and it was really really torturous um and I and I think I did it because I thought I had to and then like I did realize at a certain point that it uh was going to be too difficult personally why was to, it torturous? well I'm sorry what why was it torturous oh um I'm coming in hard. I'm coming in with you. No, it's no. This I I go there. I like it. Like I um I guess just like emotionally, like going back into the past, especially like my mom really had just died, and then I was like, let's just go back into like the most painful parts of my like adolescence and and uh, write about all of those. Um, and I ended up putting it aside, and then like sort of adapting it into another into an essay that's coming out next year, but like, uh, and maybe I'll return to it, but like, yeah. Anyway, I will say that like, I'm not like excited to write another memoir anytime soon. Like it is kind of emotionally 
draining. Yeah, I, 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 the more I go in on stuff, I start to realize that where you don't even really realize once you once you do that first job, that first rip of like an event that you know you're gonna write about, yeah. something you know you could change it a bunch. And I talked to to hot, uh, Chelsea a lot about cumul like cumulative editing, where like oh, yeah, to that episode, it was oh, great. awesome. Yeah, about like over time and letting the new version seep in. But nonetheless, I think there is something sort of like you know, doing the handprint and the cement when you go in for that first time. So yeah. oftentimes now, like I think about, I've also just been reading a shitload um, because of where I'm at with stuff. And also, I don't know, some of the, the lockdown, I'm just like, if I just keep caffeinating and reading, I'll be okay. Um, That's awesome but, uh, that you do that. That's great. Oh, no, yeah, it's a little neurotic, but, but, I, but what I'm saying is um, having realized that I, I have all these like, I have like my whole new project like in my head of like what what things must be attacked but i just like wait and wait until like i almost feel like writing for me now is like having a weird like intuition of like when it's time to rip rip it like when it's time yeah. to go on for the first time yeah. um, because you go in too soon and you start going too many directions then like that event has already been kind of i mean it's not like i'm just and, and once there's a lot of different vectors that that are all in your head at the same time about the thing and the question you want to ask about the event um i don't know that's just something i've been thinking about because that's real how yeah. you, the character becomes kind of its own thing you know or the event you're like that's what happened you know but yeah completely i think like those vectors like it all just sort of like and I think it's very wise to wait for it all to come to that point where it just like drives you to sit yeah. down and put it down. Like, I, I feel like that, that other memoir project that I just mentioned, like I never had that feeling with it. I like, I think I felt like I was supposed to write it next or something. And so like, I, I just never had that. And now I realize like that's, the shit like that's waiting for that is worth it because right. I wasted I mean I I don't really it feels at times like I wasted time like writing something that I didn't like have that heat for just because right. I felt I was supposed to instead of just like sitting and waiting and trusting that the heat would come for something else I'm sure yeah you probably expressing something you had to rip at that time but that's real it also it also, and sometimes you go in too gnarly too early and then you can't look at it anymore because yeah. the direction you went. But I feel like it also makes like, for me, it makes life, it makes everything more interesting when you have those questions that you're just like waiting for more layers Then everything becomes like an investigation, which is probably some weird neurotic, um, I don't know, self, whatever. But that's how, I, that's how I like to get. And if you wait too long, then you'll never write anything. That's another problem. So yes, that's uh, true. Yeah. Um, was there anybody, I like asked the same questions at a certain point, but it, it, this is interesting because I think everything's playing off for life and how I look at writing, but yours is explicit. That's interesting. But was there anything in the book that um, like people in your family or people that were, I think when I read part of uh, your story to um, your Hobart story to, um, to someone um, or to uh, the girl, Fuck, dude, why do I say it? I say it a weird way every pod, but um, uh, I wasn't gonna say that. I don't know why. I don't know why I do that. She's gonna talk to me about when that. When you should call me his lady friend. No, and there's it's weird. You go, you go traditional. That's weird. You go like partner, then you're like yeah. you're that's being true. weird. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> uh, but but she was saying like, damn, like um, Ali really uh, ripped it about. I didn't personally think this, and I don't think you did, but like, like really, like John, like ripped it about John or whatever, <laughs> you know, like she, like he's he's a champ for letting. And I was like, maybe that just shows how I'm sus because I didn't think it was bad. But um, was 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 there anything in the anybody in the book that like had a weird adverse reaction to anything or? Like yes. Um, oh damn. <laughs> But first of all, like, yes, shout out to John. And like, I think that is one of the perks about, at least within our relationship. Although, honestly, I'm not sure I would be as like chill about anything as he is. I'm waiting for him to like. Um, Sorry, that was a motorbike. You okay. said you wouldn't be as much. I probably wouldn't be as chill as him. Like, I'm still sort no. of waiting for him to like 
you know, write this like glowing sanctimonious portrait of me. Uh, so we'll see maybe someday. Um, but yeah, he's great about that. And, and it's sort of like, act, dating another writer. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, for the art, like, okay, like I'll take it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so with Jello Girls, Yes. Um, I actually wrote this piece and it ended up on Salon, which is kind of funny because now Salon just feels like a, like a clickbait site. But um, I wrote about my dad's reaction to it, which was horrible and really harrowing. Um, he basically said that it like made him suicidal um, and I expected it like it, it was actually um, confirmed a lot in some ways about our relationship and um, his limitations in some ways. I think like, I mean, he, I think he is a person who, and I love him deeply though we have so much trouble connecting, but I think like, he's a person that has built a lot of his life around protecting himself. And so like the book was, although the book was like a, a big success for his only child and like um, a portrait of like my experience that was inherently threatening to him. And I uh, understood it. And we, we sat down with the book twice um, together I had sent it to him when it was in copy edits, you know, just to make sure that like there wasn't anything that he wanted to correct and he had that horrible reaction to it. And we sat down and like, it turned out that like the things that, and I think this goes for a lot of people who are writing about family members. And I certainly tell students this, but like, it really surprised me the things that he wanted changed versus like, the things that I might've expected. It was like little word choices about like what he did for a living at the time. Like it's just very silly things like that. So that was one thing. And then the other thing, which I also expected, but was um, honestly, it was traumatizing was that my mother's brother uh, who I write about in the book under, I had changed his name, but like, I don't know. It was obviously who it was. Um, he wanted to sue me. He like, were you driving around with at the end? Yes. Yeah. He, um, and I mean, they had been estranged and, oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, there had been like legal problems between them before. And, but anyways, it was awful. It was like, it, it was all taking place. Like as like publicity for the book was going on, which made it really hard to enjoy any of like the good stuff that was happening for the book. And at a certain point, like I just stopped uh, doing any publicity for the book. And I said no to like a lot of like, like big things because of that. And like, so he really took like a giant dump on like the book. Um, but after it came out or did you send it to him before? No, I didn't send it to him before because I, I honestly, I knew, yeah. um, but I did work very hard before the book came out with the legal team at Little Brown, because I was like, I know this, this is going to be a problem. I was completely transparent about that. And they were pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and ultimately like he went away, but it was just a lot of like long harassing emails um that was shitty <laughs> so he's an uncle that's some mouse guard shit <laughs> exactly exactly uncle is fucking losing his shit uh, no, <laughs> i don't know i don't know what you're, i'm not even saying anything. that's that's real as fuck i guess that's yeah i do kind of have feel a theory or an idea that <clears throat> in order to really rip some shit you kind of have to be someone who isn't trying to please their family though i don't know i think so too um I, I think so too. I mean, it's obviously it's up to every individual, but like, right. and I, like I used to say, and I think this is actually in that salon piece that I mentioned that like, 
in the art of memoir, Mary Carr says that she only writes about people that she loves. Um, and like, I don't, that, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, um, but you know, also I'm not like going out of my way to write another memoir as I already said. Okay. So. You pivoted. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? And you teach like catapult stuff, is that right? Yeah, that's all I'm doing right now. Right. I taught a lot in Texas and um, I really tried after Jello Girls sold to just like get the next thing done. And that didn't happen fast the way I wanted it to, but uh, there's gotta be a reason for it. So I'm starting, like now I'm finally like rounding the bend with this latest thing and I'm feeling good about Locked it. In. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna kill this recording. Um, you feel okay about that uh that powwow? Yeah, totally. I hope I didn't say anything too offensive, but also I like great. Okay. <laughs> also like <laughs> um 